Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network and our fine family of broadcast affiliates across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, and now in 20 Asian countries. If you'd like to give us a call, one 528 is our studio number. On MSN Messenger, you can send a message to me here in our studio at talkstarradio at hotmail.com. 
My email address is xzone at talkstarradio.com and our website, www.xzoneradio.com. My guest this hour is John Stanley, and never before has a TV horror host described in print what it was like to be part of the cult movement of the 20th century in which packages of science fiction, horror, and fantasy movies were introduced by colorful characters who often emulated supernatural beings. Now, these media entities, garbed as vampires, werewolves, ghouls, and other grotesques, queries inspired by the cinema, as well as the espoused graveyard humor in a spoofery on the very uh, movie material being presented. Generations grew up on these new fanged beans, and thousands of young viewers were shaped and changed forever by the humor and tomfoolery of hosts who came into their living rooms and or bedrooms on Saturday night, often after the witching hour. Joining us now is John Stanley. And John, how are you this evening? Rob, uh, I know you're associated with a TV show, uh, Creepy Canada, so... Let me welcome you to creepy California, especially the San Francisco Bay Area, where Creature Features, the show I hosted, was on the air for 14 years. Wow. No accounting for taste, is there? Listen, it's still, uh, you know, people love to be scared. People love horror movies. People love science fiction. People love supernatural films. For some reason, and, I don't know. And the reason, I, at least it's my take on it, Rob, the reason that uh, generations that grew up watching that still fondly remember it, mm-hmm. and I have seen this at various conventions when I go back and I, I'm sharing a table with uh, Bob Wilkins, my uh, another uh, host from the Bay Area. The old fans come up to us and tell us uh, different stories, and yet the stories are all the same. It's a nostalgic memory about growing up with family, mom and dad, brother and sister, whatever the combinations, Saturday night at home, it was a family thing, and it's still very fondly remembered. And at the heart of all of these programs were not only the old movies, good or bad, but those unusual hosts, uh, those those so-called horror hosts. Yeah. You know what? Um, you, uh, you have had so many, many guests over the years. Uh, you've interviewed the Omen producer, Henry Bernhard. You've uh, interviewed Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, Ray Bradbury and and my goodness, yeah. what was so it? Rob, what, what? In addition to being a horror host uh, during these seventies uh, and early eighties, uh, I was simultaneously a writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, mm-hmm. entertainment writer. So I had the opportunity over a thirty-three year period to meet some of the greatest people, uh, greatest people in showbiz, not just the horror and sci-fi yeah. icons of the past century, but just. Some of the really wonderful stars, and along the way, yeah, as you point out, uh, I met those weird folks. Uh, uh, I, I visited haunted houses. Uh, John Newland, the, the producer of One Step Beyond, told me about taking this new form of drug called LSD long before the coming of the flower children or mm-hmm. the uh, hippie generation. Uh, how about the slaughterhouse in Oakland, alleged to be the most haunted house? Uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and some weird things went on there. Well, why don't we talk about those weird things when we come back from this two-minute commercial break? John Stanley's our very special guest, and we're talking about I Was a TV Horror Host. His website is www.stanleybooks.com. 
net and John and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute break as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, our toll-free number is one 528 8255 Still to come tonight, TKC Brennan and Cal Korf and Henry May. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Stanley's our special guest. His website is www.stanleybooks.net. John, uh, tell us about the interview you did with the Omen producer, Henry Bernhard. Uh, and apparently there were uh, something strange with lightning that happened. Uh, y- yeah. Uh, this was several years um, after the film came out uh, in 1976. Uh, he, came, uh, he came on our show... I think it was uh, sometime in the, it had to be the early 80s, uh, he continued to make uh, horror films after the great success of The Omen, mm-hmm. uh, and he was promoting he was promoting one of his lesser pictures. But uh, he started uh, telling me about uh, th- this unusual coincidence where uh, on three occasions a bolt of lightning came out of nowhere uh, and was somehow in, uh, related to people who were, who were making the film. I believe it started with Gregory Peck. Uh, he was in a commercial jetliner on his way to Rome, and a bolt of lightning actually struck the aircraft. And uh, uh, I, later, uh, Gregory Peck would tell the story uh, that the one thing he would always remember, one of the stewardesses was down on her hands and knees in the middle of the plane, you know, praying and, and hoping that they were going to survive uh, that bolt of lightning. Boy, that gives um, you a lot of confidence, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, then um, then at the uh, Hotel Flora Grande, 
Uh, he said he was fast asleep at 3 o'clock in the night, and suddenly there was this tremendous explosion outside his window. The entire sky lit up. It was like, he, he said, it was like watching an atomic bomb. The end of the world had come. And 30, 30, 30 feet away from uh, where he was staying, a, a bolt of lightning had come down and struck one of the walls there. I think it was called Hadrian's Gate. Um, and then uh, they were shooting in... Um, Later, they were shooting in London's Safari Park. Mm -hmm. And uh, remember the sequence where Lee Rimmick's car is attacked by uh, a, a gang of baboons? Yes. Uh, well, the very next day, uh, the uh, baboon trainer was attacked and killed and crushed to death in the very same location uh, where the, uh, the scene had been filmed. You know, that almost uh, parallels the, 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 uh, the paranormal... Uh, disasters that went along with the filming of uh, Poltergeist. Uh, the, um, Jim, I'm not familiar with that one. That, that's the Steven Spielberg film. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not in on that one. Uh, I've never met Steven Spielberg. <laughs> never had the opportunity. But, but again, it's um, it is a strange coincidence. Uh, in fact, uh, there was also a moment where Gregory Peck uh, was at an oyster bar in London, mm -hmm. and a terrorist bomb exploded uh, seconds after he had walked out of the building. Uh, so there were all kinds of things that seemed to uh, haunt, uh, haunt the production of this one particular film. And I guess you could shrug and, and call it coincidence. Uh, I don't know. No, I, I, I wouldn't call it coincidence. I would call it divine intervention. <laughs> it, does, it does make you wonder. It, cer Rob, it, really it does. certainly does. It certainly does. What was it like inter interviewing Ed and Lorraine Warren, the demonologists? Well, uh, that, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked because I, it's a moment I, my wife and I will never forget. Uh, we had gone to a wine cellar, Orsi's Restaurant, in the financial district of San Francisco, mm -hmm. and they were on the road. Uh, they were taking this very matter-of-factly, uh, promoting not the first uh, Amityville film, but the second, the uh, Amityville Two: The Possession. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was 1982, and uh, because uh, we wanted a little privacy, the uh, Mater D decided to put us down in their wine cellar. Where you know, uh, there were um, Ed and Lorraine, my wife and I, and a couple of publicists from the company uh, that was releasing the film. And suddenly, my wife uh, Erica, who has had some unusual psychic experiences off and on during her life, uh, again inexplicable, suddenly grabbed me by the arm and said, honey, there's something standing in the doorway behind us. And, of course, I turned and looked. I, I couldn't see anything. Uh, and Ed and Lorraine, I, I glanced over at them, and they acted like there was nothing going on. They didn't, uh, uh, if they did sense something, they weren't letting on that they did. Anyway, uh, she was terrified for a few minutes, and then finally she relaxed her grip upon my arm, and uh, everything kind of calmed down, and... Uh, the um, Ed and Lorraine just kind of shrugged, and we went on with the interview. And there was a gentleman sitting across the table from me, and I noticed that a what looked like a drop uh, fell in front of him and splattered on the table. And uh, he leaped up, and he says, "That's enough of that. This is about the fifth time this has happened." And he went over to the other uh, side of the table, um, refusing to sit there any longer. So curiously, I got up on a chair. And I searched the entire area above our table looking for a, a leak, a damp spot, 
Um, Rob, I couldn't find anything. That place was dry as a bone. And uh, to this day, I cannot explain what, what those drops were, nor can I explain what it was, that unseen thing standing in the doorway. I, could, I, I, have, I had kind of a theory. I, I, I can't explain it uh, in greater detail, but is it possible, Rob, that Ed and Lorraine, who did claim to be uh, possessed uh, and sometimes followed by evil spirits because they had been to so many uh, haunted sightings and scenes, is it possible that somehow inadvertently attached to them uh, was this entity, this unseen thing that stood in the doorway? Well, according to know, according to several of the guests that we've had here on the show, the answer would be yes. Well, that's that's what I said yeah. when it was all over with. Um, and Ed and Lorraine, I, I guess you know Ed has since passed away. Yes, I do, yeah. Uh, he's gone now. And I did see Lorraine a couple of years ago when they brought out the remake of Amityville. Mm-hmm. And uh, did, uh, I don't know, I, I suppose you've interviewed them over the years? Yes, I have. Yeah, did they ever tell you the story of uh, the time they were in a car? They were in Connecticut uh, on uh, Interstate 84, and um, they were driving along, and they passed an exit sign that read Promised Land, and Ed made a joke about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they came to another turnoff that was marked Lord's Valley, and no sooner had they passed that uh, turn off, suddenly the car, according to Lorraine, because Ed was not there to tell me the story, suddenly the car went out of control inexplicably, and uh, according to Lorraine, Ed had always been an excellent driver, but he couldn't control the steering wheel. It just seemed to be totally out of control. Crashed through a guardrail, plunged down a 40-foot embankment, and according to Lorraine, she said, I prayed to God I could see rocks below, and if we hit those rocks, I knew the car would explode and we'd all uh, burn to burn up. But she says that suddenly the car suddenly rolled off, veered off a little bit, and came to a stop and didn't hit the rocks, didn't explode. Mm-hmm. And they both sat in the front seat totally shaken but alive, unharmed. And according to Lorraine, Ed turned to her, utterly shaken, and said, Honey, even the Amityville horror couldn't get us. <laughs> Tell, tell me, uh, after after talking to Ed and Lorraine, what was your take on the Amityville Horror? Uh, I've got my doubts about its authenticity. I've got Well, it. there's been so many books written about yeah. it. Uh, I think some books have totally uh, debunked uh, have totally debunked what happened there. And um, I, you know, it, it, we, we, I guess it's credibility. It boils down to who do you want to believe. And they certainly were a sweet couple. Uh, there was something disarming about the couple uh, when you saw them in person. Mm-hmm. They didn't act uh, special or different. They just seemed to be a happily married couple. They smiled at each other and held their ha- held hands, uh, had their arms around each other, and just reacted in a very, very normal way. I even had them over to the house one time for cocktails, and uh, it was like having your next-door neighbors or your old friends come in and have a drink with you. Uh, there was nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, they seem just to be commonplace people. So I put a lot of stock in what Lorraine has told me over the years. What was it like uh, with Christopher Lee? Christopher Lee was a snob. Let's face it, he comes from British royalty. <laughs> He's a wonderful actor. Uh, but I have to tell you what happened. Um, I had invited him to be a guest on the show. Uh-huh. This is 1979. I had just started the show 
uh, a few months before that, and they were building me a new set. And so I was doing some comedy with that idea. I had brought in some members of a Star Star Wars fan club, and they mm-hmm. were dressed as the characters from Star uh, Star Wars. Right. And they were carrying lumber and hammers and uh, <laughs> saws, and they were milling around as if they were building me a new set, because mm-hmm. the next week I was going to introduce my new dungeon set. Well, Christopher Lee arrived late. Uh, normally guests arrived in time to brief them and explain what was happening. He walked in, he saw all this nonsense going on, this shtick, and he turned to my wife and Erica and said, uh, I believe this really isn't the kind of thing I want to be associated with. Um, and he turned to leave, and uh, he walked over to the exit door of the studio, but right above the door was a TV set, a monitor, and I was over uh, on the other side of the, of the uh, studio doing my introduction. I was right in the middle of, of, of uh, presenting the material that opened the show, and I was right at that moment where, and now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to uh, my favorite fantasy writer, a man who inspired me when I was 10 years old, uh, a man I consider the finest science fiction fantasy writer in America today, Ray Bradbury. And Ray Bradbury's, um, the footage ran, you know, they started to film, rolling the interview, and suddenly there was Ray Bradbury, uh, and Christopher Lee froze, he stopped right at the door, and Ray Bradbury uh, started delivering some of his beautifully poetic material, and Christopher, who knew Ray, uh, paused uh, to watch uh, and listen, and uh, five minutes later the lights came on, I finished my uh, sequence, And he turned to my wife and said, well, good enough for Ray Bradbury. It's good enough for me. (laughs) And uh, Christopher stayed. Uh, We did a wonderful um, interview. Mm -hmm. I think we did 15 or 20 minutes. I was able to scatter that material out over the next next few weeks. Excellent. Uh, John uh, Stanley, stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break. With the news at the bottom of the hour... When we return, ExoNation more with our special guest this hour, John Stanley, www.stanleybooks.com. Still to come on tonight's show, T. Casey Brennan, Cal Korf, and Henry May. My name's Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, exclusively on Talkstar. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All his radio. Welcome to the X Zone. A place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. 
Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. John Stanley is our special guest. His website is www.stanleybooks.com. Uh, first of all, John, thanks very much for joining us tonight. It's great having you with us. Uh, where did your interest in horror, science fiction, and the strange and bizarre come from? It started when I was around 10 years old. It's still a vi- very vivid memory. Uh, that's the uh, year, 1950, that I discovered pulp magazines. Mm-hmm. Remember those 25 cents? I sure do. Uh, things that used to be on the newsstands? Yeah. Uh, and I discovered a writer named Ray Bradbury. Oh, gosh. And yeah. uh, I, I went through a change. Uh, I suddenly felt different about myself. And later, years later, when I actually met Ray Bradbury, I was uh, interviewing him for the Chronicle, uh, and eventually he would be a guest on Creature Features a number of times. I told him about this change I'd been through, and he says, Oh, I know what you're talking about. I awakened your sense of wonder. And I said, uh, Could you explain that? And he says, Yes. We're all born with a sleeping child within us, and as we discover the wonderful things about life, as we discover food and good music and our love for movies and reading and the opposite sex, different parts of that sleeping child are awakened, and when it's fully awakened, it it becomes our sense of wonder. It's what drives us through life. Just do one thing, John, he he said. Promise me you will never let your, uh, your, your sense of wonder fall asleep. Well, that was the first thing that began to awaken it. Uh, I also discovered movies in a new genre. I was a moviegoer from the time I was six years old, but if we look at the history of films during the 1940s, we realized that the horror film and the science fiction movies really were not popular genres then. Uh, it wasn't until the coming of the UFO phenomenon in, uh, you know, what was that, around 1947, I believe. Yeah, about that. Uh, they started, Hollywood began making films, and there were two films that year. One was called The Thing from Another World. Oh, uh, heavens, yeah. Movie. yeah. Remember, the guys are trapped at the uh, polar ice station with the uh, alien that they've taken out of the crashed UFO. That's right, yeah. And it's stalking them. It's ac- Actually, it turned out to be uh, Marshal Matt Dillon. <laughs> James, James Arness, Arness yes. Is, uh, I believe almost seven feet tall, so he got the part of the uh, of the creature. But it frightened me to death, and about two months later, I saw another film that frightened me to death, and that was called The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, my Remember gosh. Gort the Robot. That's right, with uh, Michael Rennie. Patricia Neal mm-hmm. into, uh, into this flying saucer, I was utterly petrified. And that's where it all started for me, and from then on, I couldn't get enough of it. Michael Rennie did a fantastic job in that Oh, film. yes, as the... Uh, Envoy from uh, another planet coming to warn us: yeah. we better, uh, we better straighten up and fly right, or we're going to be in deep doo doo. And it looks like uh, we we're in the deep doo doo again. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think so many people today are looking to the skies for answers to the problems here on this planet? You know, that's that is a great, great question, and I'd like to relate that uh, to uh, to the reality of of what I did. Uh, you know, when I was a newspaper man, I realized that there was a character that I was creating within me, mm-hmm. uh, one who was fascinated uh, with almost all phases of the entertainment world. Uh, I was fascinated with how films were made. I would eventually become a filmmaker in limited ways myself. 
I was fascinated with uh, film music. How did composers mm-hmm. uh, come up with these wonderful uh, sounds that so carried me into the movies? The cinematographers, the writers, the directors, they, they all just intrigued me to a great deal. And uh, when I got to the Creature Feature show, Rob, uh, a new kind of character began to come out of that. Um, I had to find, you know, you can't just sit in front of a camera and talk to an audience. You have to have a point of view. And I decided that my point of view, since I was a horror host who did not uh, dress up in a costume, uh, I had my own sense of humor, yes, um, but I was not like the other horror hosts, that I still needed a character, and I realized that that character I had been as a newspaper man, inquiring with great curiosity with all the folks I met, I should do the same, only now it can be, it can now be on two different levels. It can be a fascination with our, our media, our movies and television, as they deal with uh, all the unseen world around us in a fictional way, vampires, werewolves, aliens from other planets, uh, UFOs. Uh, on the other hand, there's also that unseen world around us uh, that we all talk about, uh, we're fascinated by it, and yet we can never prove it. Uh, do ghosts really exist? Are people really abducted by aliens? Are we really seeing ships from another world when those things fly over our heads? Um, I decided I will be the investigator. I will be the curious one, and I will let my guest be the UFO expert. I will let my guest be the one who wears the vampire costume, uh, the werewolf costume. Uh, I will let the, my guest be uh, the, the people who make uh, some of our great movies, you know, the, the director of Alien, Ridley Scott, uh, George Lucas, uh, all of those wonderful folks. Uh, that's that that's uh, that's where it all started, and that's how it, I've carried that. I still carry that to this day. I, I'm an elder hostel teacher. Uh, elder hostel. Uh, are you familiar with that group? Uh, it's uh, seniors. Seniors gather from all over America. They come here to the Bay Area. No, I'm not. And, uh, I face 50 of them at a time, and it, it's a challenge. Of course, uh, they're all over 55, so you got to keep them awake. No, that's the first challenge. But I try to entertain them with my knowledge about the entertainment world uh, and also classes. I present classes on Frank Sinatra, uh, Louis Armstrong, Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, a lot of the folks that I met firsthand, and I can talk about them firsthand. Who was the strangest guest you ever interviewed on your show? Whoa, boy, that's a, that's a great question. Um Certainly one of the strangest uh, producers that I ever met was Irwin Allen. Uh, Irwin Allen was uh, one of the most successful television producers of the 1960s. You might recall Voyage to the Bottom of the Yes, I do. Richard Uh, Basehart. How about Lost in Space? That was his uh, big uh, ratings hit. Yeah. Uh, And he did others, too, Time Tunnel and so on, and I think Land of the Giants. I came along uh, before his uh, movie career started with... uh, the Poseidon Adventure. Mm-hmm. He started making disaster films that were very popular. Um, and I wanted to talk to him about science fiction, and I had a lot of uh, questions when I met him at 20th Century Fox. In his, uh, he had a giant uh, office and a huge desk that he uh, sat behind. Um, and I had very serious questions about it. I was uh, about science fiction and fantasy and the movies and so on and his perception of, of uh, all of these things. And for some reason... Uh, he didn't really want to get into uh, depth about that, 
and he was offended by my questions, and after about 20 minutes, uh, he asked me to leave his office. Uh, that had never happened before. Uh, to this day, I wonder what was really troubling that man. What was, what was his problem that he couldn't really deal with a fantasy and science fiction? Uh, some of my associates back at the paper said, well, the man's never produced a serious thing in his life. You know, these are all just mm -hmm. juvenile uh, science fiction shows, mainly for children, you know. And you were coming along and wanted to discuss science fiction like an adult. <laughs> and he wasn't quite ready for that. I don't know if that's quite uh, the truth of what happened, but uh, that's one interpretation. Uh, that would be certainly one of the strangest, uh, to be asked to leave the office after you've hardly begun to, uh, to scratch the surface. All right, you're on, you're, you're on air at your at your uh on your on your TV uh set a studio yeah yeah your studio what is the strangest thing that happened to you live on air oh boy there were some guests who uh would uh, walk uh you know who did walk out before the show would uh, would start i um i don't know if anything really happened uh, on air are you thinking of something I've written about and I can't think of it right no, now? No, 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 I no, no, no. Uh, I, uh, you know, because I've talked to many, uh, many uh, talk show hosts on television, and they always have these horror stories that a guest starts going one way, and they don't know which way the guest is going. And there are times, even on radio, where you say, "Oh, I hope they don't go that way with this question." Uh, I didn't really, I didn't really have. Uh, that problem. Um, I, I had, uh, I did have some techniques for interviewing uh, celebrities and people that I've never met before. Mm -hmm. I always researched uh, as deeply as I could. I tried to know um, some little-known facts about somebody. It's, it's wonderful if you can uh, sit down with somebody and just uh, mention, say, I saw an old film of yours uh, you made 20 or 30 years ago, uh, a film that nobody else would remember today. And, oh, you know about that? Oh, well, uh, that opened up the door because then they trusted you. Well, yep. if he knows that about me, he really cares, you know, about my career and what I've been doing. And uh, people would open up. And I always found, in most cases, people were more than willing to uh, uh, to discuss where, wherever I wanted to take them. Tell me, why should we love Lucy? Oh, boy. Uh, oh, I'm glad you asked, Rob. There is a reason, and few people know this. Everybody remembers I Love Lucy, uh, and Lucille Ball is one of our great television stars, and she was. She and Desi uh, really innovated the industry in more ways than one. Uh, in 1957, she and uh, Desi bought a studio called RKO Radio Pictures, uh, and they turned it into a television factory for the next, uh, oh, ten years uh, called Desilu, Desilu Productions. Well, they divorced in 1960, uh, and uh, one year later, uh, Lucy went to the uh, studio one day to discover that she was the head of the board of directors. She now ran a studio, the very studio that she had been a contract player at back in the 1930s. A in 1966, one year before she sold the studio, uh, NBC called up and said, we've seen the pilot for Star Trek, we think it's wonderful, and we want to book it for the fall lineup. Uh, so all of the technical uh, and money advisors at the studio told Lucy, no, don't do it, don't greenlight Star Trek, cancel Star Trek now before it's too late. Gene Roddenberry, the producer, is going crazy. He's spending money like, 
like a madman, he will bankrupt this studio. Well, Lucy listened to all of this and then said, no, I'm not going to cancel Star Trek. We're going to green light it. It's going to go ahead. And one of the executives shook his head and said, Lucy, have you lost your mind? She said, no. I was just thinking about that day back in, I believe it was 1939, when I came to this studio and they told me I was no longer needed. My contract had expired. And frankly, I didn't want to pass that on, that feeling on to all of those wonderful people who are part of the cast and crew of Star Trek. I didn't have the heart to tell them no. <laughs> wow. And uh, she told me this story in 1975, many years after it was all over. Uh, Jackie Gleason and Art Carney were there. She was getting ready to make some, uh, some CBS uh, comedy shows with those two actors. And that's why I was there. I was there to cover that. But I had to ask Lucy. I said, Lucy, uh, were you involved in Star Trek? Because uh, you ran the studio. And she says, I sure was. And what I guess the ultimate irony, uh, Rob, is that they Paramount bought the studio for $18 million. Mm -hmm. And I believe we could uh, easily estimate that just from that one franchise alone, the Star Trek franchise, they have earned, uh, would you guess, uh, Billions of dollars? Oh, yes, easily. At least. That more than paid, yeah. that one asset more than paid back, uh, paid back a Paramount for buying up RKO. And that's the real reason we should love Lucy. Now, how about the obsession of Leonard Nimoy? Speaking oh, yes. about Star Trek. Uh, Leonard Nimoy, I've always found him to be a fascinating individual. Complex. Not your ordinary uh, laid-back actor. I first met... Leonard in 1966. The show hadn't even come on the air yet. He was uh, he was filming at uh, Desilu, the city on the edge of forever, on the day we met, which turned out to be one of the great classic episodes. Uh, and Leonard was very worried. He had the pointed ears. He had the strange colored skin. And he said, I, I, I hope you don't report this inaccurately uh, because this is going to be an adult science fiction show. He was very worried about Lost in Space and all the others setting a current trend, uh, and everyone would assume that this new uh, adventure in space, Star Trek, was going to be another lost in space, you know, designed for children. It is not. This is going to be for the adults. And uh, he was right on the edge of... I, I've always felt that right at that time, Leonard was really on the edge of uh, his career not going anywhere. Uh, he had been playing Indians and villains and so on in various episodes, and not too much was happening, but this was the one part that really was going to change his life forever and move him off into an incredible area of success. Uh, Leonard um, was obsessed by those, uh, I guess they call them Trekkers or Trekkies? Trekkies. Trekkies. Uh, he came to the studio in 1980. Uh, the first motion picture had been released. Uh, and I had planned a complete two-hour show. Uh, I had all kinds of special material, uh, interview material, and uh, I was working to get ready. And that morning, his limousine pulled up to the front of the uh, TV studio at Jack London Square in Oakland, and he saw a small crowd of fans out front, and he refused to get out of the car. He ordered the driver to go to the back. And uh, he came in, and he said, unless I got rid of those people out there, he wasn't going to do the show, and I, I really, I finally pinned him down, and he admitted that there was one woman out there 
who was a Trekkie, who'd been uh, coming to see his play, Theo, which is the story of Vincent Van Gogh's brother. Right. He was doing a one-man show uh, in San Francisco. And apparently she was sitting in the front row every night, uh, staring up at him. And this had driven him (laughs) to the brink, I guess, of uh, couldn't stand it any longer. And so I had to go out, tell the small crowd, I'm sorry, we can't let you in the studio today. John, let's continue this on the other side of the commercial break. John Stanley's our special guest, www.stanleybooks.com. And when we come back, we'll continue the story about the obsession with Leonard Nimoy. Don't go away. We'll be back in two. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Progressive presents Forced Metaphors, about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. John Stanley is our special guest. His website is www.johnstanley. I'm sorry, stanleybooks.com. First of all, John, thanks very much for joining us tonight, and I wish you nothing but the greatest of success. And uh, any well, thanks, chance, Rob, I appreciate that. Any chance of you coming back on the air to do another TV series? Well, I was uh, I was a guest on uh, Cinema Insomnia, which is a Bay Area show hosted by uh, Mr. Lobo. He's one of the few surviving uh, horror hosts of the day. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm pretty much retired. Uh, I want to continue to write some of my memoirs in addition to another book. I'd love to do another uh, follow-up to the I Was a Horror Host because I hardly scratched the surface with all the material that I did have. I'd like to do a book on the golden age of Hollywood. I had the wonderful chance uh, over those years to meet people like uh, Jimmy Stewart and Mae West and Fred oh, McMurray wow. and... Uh, Lloyd Bridges and some of the great, great stars of that period. I'd love to put together, uh, love to put together another book in that vein. Was uh, Fred McMurray and uh, Jimmy Stewart uh, the gentlemen that they appeared to be on the big screen? Uh, Fred McMurray was uh, such the such an ordinary kind of a guy. He didn't really think of himself as anybody special. In fact, he started to tell me uh, that his. Um, he had had a leak down in the cellar. That seemed to be the most important thing in his life that day. Was some, 
I guess a water furnace went broken open or something, and uh, that was that was the topic of the day, uh, the, the the flooded cellar at his home. Um, uh, Jimmy Stewart, uh, he'd love to talk about, uh, he didn't like to talk about the war. I tried to get him to yeah. talk about being a pilot, a bomber pilot in World War II. Uh, he d- he wouldn't go near that, but he loved to talk about the characters in his movies, and uh, he uh, told that story of how he really had to redefine himself after World War II because It's a Wonderful Life was a failure. Everything he was doing wasn't working until he took a Western role, and then uh, when he started playing cowboy characters, his career turned around. Jeez, I-, I can't believe that he actually thought that What a Wonderful Life was a failure. Oh, it was. It was a box office disaster. And yet uh, now it's safe. In fact, a... it almost destroyed the career of Frank Capra. And what happened, Frank Capra forgot to renew the copyright. The film, 26 years later, uh, went into public domain. And that's, uh, that's when suddenly everybody started running the film on television because they didn't have to pay any royalties. Right. And that's the, the new generation. And the old generation suddenly discovered this movie that everybody had ignored in 1947 was a classic, and it's, of course, today considered, uh, you know, one of the best films from the 1940s. Well, I'll tell you something. We have it here in our home on uh, DVD now, and we watch it every Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's it's an annual event. It's a tradition. You see it once a year. John, we have to say so long for now, but I would love to have the opportunity of having you back on so we can continue discussing Uh, the Golden Age. I would love to, and could I correct just one thing? Uh, It's stanleybooks.net. StanleyBooks.net. Otherwise, everything has been great tonight. I've really enjoyed it. It's great having you with us, and uh, thanks for sharing your time. Okay, and keep creepy Canada creepy, would you please? And I'll do my best to keep San Francisco creepy in my own special way. You got a deal there, friend. Okay. John Stanley, thank you very much. Thank you. www.stanleybooks.net. Now, when we come back from the news at the top of the hour, we're going to be speaking with T. Casey Brennan. Now... At one time, he claimed to have been the trigger man of the JFK assassinations. He's a comic book artist and creator. He's the most vocal uh, victim of MKUltra, mind controlled by the CIA. And he's homeless. Let's find out what's going on. Don't go away. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forest Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forest Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. 